0: Good morning. Just really uh, through the service, a lot of times you can feel an environment or experience an environment. Maybe you'd say, "Well, Pastor, what are you saying?" Well, have you ever um, actually maybe uh, met somebody you've never uh, met before? And usually, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're the most open. And you know why? It's because you don't have any preconceived experiences or judgments or opinions about the situation you're the most open you're also at that place the most vulnerable and yet you can sense things in fact I I find myself uh, usually when it comes down to wanting to pray for people I don't want to know the scenario I really don't want to know the particulars say well pastor I need prayer for something I usually say I don't please don't say anymore I'd rather listen to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has to say that you know in uh and what he wants for us to pray. Because many times you may be talking about the, the, the situation and the, maybe what's fallen off the tree, the fruit that's rotten or scenario. God wants to get to the root, amen? And so I like, like to be sensitive to that space. And, uh, and on that part and that thought today, we're gonna be talking about impartation and healthy relationships. A Couple weeks ago, we began to uh, this series and we talked about listening. And we went through a couple scenarios and experiences. many times we have selective listening, so I don't really want to go through that part of it. And then last week we talked about celebrating. Today we're going to be talking about impartation. God has us intersect lives. God has us have relationships so that there might be an impartation. And that's maybe kind of a churchy word to you or maybe you don't really understand it, but I guarantee you by the end of this service, you'll have a greater understanding of what that means and why. Why are you here? There's a real reason why you are here. Why do you have intersection? If I would do kind of like a, a kind of if I could put my life in, a, in maybe a movie camera and go right back to how many, you know just kind of fast uh, in, in reverse, go really fast in reverse, and then look at big experiences in my path, pa- you know, passageways I've had with people, and uh, even one of those most awkward ones, accidents, where God really showed up. I can tell you of an accident where a person should have died um, in a snowmobile accident, and God had me in this intersection and I don't wanna go through it, but landed up praying over that person. They were from the, the state of Ohio, landed up visiting them in the, in the, in the hospital, and, you know, and the whole family gets saved. What, you know, Those are the moments, and I've had times where i picked up hitchhikers, two different times I've picked up, uh, picked up hitchhikers. Both times they got saved and didn't even realize that there were, you know, there were family members that were praying for those um, uh, people that, were, that I picked up. And again, this is the Lord telling me to pick these people up, not me going over there randomly just feeling like, well, I just want to pick up a hitchhiker. Um, no. And I had moments where I felt the Lord impress upon me to turn around and, and buy dinner for somebody and feel, you know, and I get all done with it and I talk about Jesus the awkward space of it, and it felt like there was nothing going on, spiritual. And you know, I could scratch my head and go, Well, oh, I don't really know, God, but you know what? Unto you. Unto you. The Bible says whatever we do, do it as unto the, the Lord. And so I, I feel like sometimes I've really hit the mark because I had, I might say you might have had results right there, and then other times I have no idea, but either way, it's unto the the Lord. And today we're going to be talking about um, impartation. And we're going to use, in fact, if you would turn with me to First Kings chapter 19, and we're going to talk about a, a character in the Bible named Elijah. Now, Elijah has this uh, kind of a, he, he's one of those odd ducks. He's um, just on fire for God. And he does the, he, he does those uh, crazy out-of-the-box uh, moments. And he dares to believe You know, and then yet we find him in 1 Kings chapter 19 really coming out of a space of disappointment. And I have found that in my greatest moments where I had the highest points with God, very quickly, if not immediately after, were my lowest points. And I wasn't ready for that space. Wasn't ready for that disappointment. I wanted to live on that high and I wanted to ride that wave out with God for a long time. I wasn't ready for that disappointment. And many times in that space of disappointment, I made some foolish decisions or maybe some foolish judgments or, or even actions afterwards, much like Elijah. In fact, I love it when the Bible talks about we're, we like passionate, like Elijah. It refers to this very character, Elijah. So we need to learn From this great man of God what is the space of what you know how do we act or react or what what possibly could go right or wrong in our life and yet at the same time realize that at the very thing that Elijah did the very last thing he did was in part that our whole lives are meant to have intersections with people that God could express himself through our lives in fact um there's a word that I've I'm, I'm really been studying a lot in the Bible and it's one of those churchy words and I kinda like a lot of times kinda try to stay away from that churchy word thing, it's called holy. And so um, what I'm learning about it is first of all is that God calls me holy even though obviously you know, I'm, I'm not in and of myself but what God calls holy, it means it's holy. Whatever, you know, God trumps everything you say, amen? And uh, so what I'm learning about this is holy well in Leviticus chapter 10 and I'm not going to preach this today um, but what I'm learning out of this is that God wants to express glory to the world but holy to those people that are close to him. How many want to be close to him? So if you really want to be close to him then this word holy or whatever this means needs to take shape and understand and so what's happened is, is that Satan likes to take words like this or maybe even uh, impressions like this and make them really weird or churchy weird for us so that we refrain from it. That's what happened to me. I used to think, well, only, you know, only those uh, pastors, and this is before I was a pastor, or, or those lay people or whatever, I used to have these uh, uh, you know, this disassociation with the word holy because I thought only certain people could ach- achieve that space of thought or that, that space of life. And yet God says his people are holy. How many are his people? So if his people are holy. So there's something about this. And again, um, I want to talk about more in the future. But I believe God's moving the church to this space of of life. And, And what I mean by that is I believe that's the reason why we don't see as many healings that go on anymore. I believe that's why we don't see movements and miracles and a lot of uh, uh, spaces of of the the supernatural with God, because that's God, obviously God moving. When we see that, we don't have any supernatural gifting in us, but God does. And what I think has happened is that we have become like the culture of the world more than the culture of heaven. And see, if we were in heaven... It wouldn't surprise us if we'd have a holy space of miracle and and, and every moment would be miraculous. But on this earth, we we don't see it as much. And the reason being is God says, listen, I'll show glory to the world, but holiness only to those who draw near to me. So impartation, and the reason I'm sharing that is I believe that a lot of impartation needs to take place so that we can have those holy moments with God. Did you have those this week sometime? I I had a few this week, where I can say that was a truly a holy moment. And see, let me just tell you something, you're not gonna live 24 seven in that space because you can't, you can't. You can't handle it. So God creates these moments in our life through intersections of our life, So that we can begin to have an appetite for it, we can begin to understand it, we can begin to walk it out, and then not only that, but God doesn't want His holiness to come in our life just for ourselves. He's longing for us to pass through our lives. That's the word impartation. So again, hopefully, I'm I'm creating kind of at least a a desire or a a maybe an impression of, uh, you know, maybe an impression of wow inside of your thinking right now. Go, I want to hear more. Well, because this is not something that we should just be thinking, well, this is a a good teaching. This is something we're supposed to live out. In fact, so much so that I believe that a lot of lives outside of these doors aren't in these doors because we're not living this holy space. We're not living this impartation lifestyle because many of us make it like Elijah did. We become inclusive instead of exclusive. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, if you would. Verse one, when Ahab got home, He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. So I'm gonna, before we get into verse two, um, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So I'm gonna kind of catch up because we're not gonna turn there. First Kings chapter 18, Elijah is part of the greatest revival the nation of Israel has ever had. I mean, you you could say highest moment that any pastor or any lay leader or any person could ever achieve. Can you imagine if all the United States, let's say that Billy Graham was alive today, gets on the airways and speaks to the United States. Every, every channel, every airwave, everything is tuned in to um, you know, Billy Graham, Evangelist Billy Graham. And all, every, not just the church, but everyone in the United States bows and says, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Wouldn't that be an amazing moment? I mean, that would just be off the charts. That's exactly what Elijah had. He was up on a mountain, and he was living in a high space with God. He had, set, he had he literally come in this place, I have lived for this very moment, his high moment with God. The next day, Jezebel, the queen, says, I'm going to have this head on a platter. I'm going to have this man killed. Now, you would think that Elijah would be so full of God, so filled with his his passion and his, his vision, and what God has, he says, I, I don't care what that queen says. It doesn't matter. It matters what God says. Hey, God, did you hear that? But that's not how Elijah reacted. And you know, it's not how many times we react. We have those high moments, or maybe you come out of church today and you're ready to just live it out. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a, the next day or the next hour. All of a sudden, some catastrophic or some kind of news comes in your pathway of life. And all of a sudden, you had this high moment of learning to this all of a sudden low low moment of experience. How are you gonna react? Well, God included this historical moment for you and for me. Verse two, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept underneath the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He he, he looked around, and there beside his head, with some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate it, drank it, and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey for the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, we could stop right there and just go home. What are you doing here? What are you doing in this space of thought, Elijah? What are you doing in this space of thought, Ron? What are you doing in this space of thought, Brenda, Julie, Michael? What are you doing thinking on these thoughts? What are you doing in this place of reaction? Why are you abandoning the post that I have for you? Why are you living in this place of disappointment? Why are you so downcast? Why are you so dis... What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah replied, I can tell you why, God. I have served you zealously, the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Didn't he not 40 days ago see all God's people bow down and worship God? 40 days ago. How quickly we can leave our, our space of thinking. How f- quickly we can be, and please, I'm not casting stones at Elijah, because I live there, I, you live there. How quickly you can be discouraged by what you see instead of what you believe. Go out and stand before the mountain, God says. And the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn, that the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the wind, or earthquake. And then after the earthquake was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice, What are you doing here? How many realize when God repeats himself? You better get the message. What are you doing here? And you know what? Elijah doesn't change. Just think his frame of thought. Do you know that why God, why you, God wants you to read the word and study the word, so you change your thinking. You know why God wants you to pray, is so that you see God for who He is, and you change your thinking. Do you know why God wants you to worship? Are well, you getting it? So you change, and so that so you're not. So God's going. What are you doing here? Because God wants you to move from faith to faith, grace to grace, hope to hope. God's wanting you to grow in him, to be strong in him so that you're not sitting there reactive to this, the things that you see and feel and touch, but you know who, you trust who God is and that God's got a plan in this space. And he's not gonna come to you and say, what are you doing here? And it's not just, it's not geographic. Let me tell you something, your geography It's only because of the way you thought and you reacted and the decisions that you made. Amen? Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel in the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, you'll anoint Hazael, then you're gonna anoint Jehu, and then you're gonna anoint Elisha. Your life is meant to have intersections with people and pass and impart into people's lives. That's why you are alive. That's why you're in the space. God is longing to work through your life. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit and God wants to work through you. He's gonna do it through speech. He's gonna do it through your deeds. He wants, God, God wants to have impartation in this world. He wants to express his glory to the world. That's what he's wanting to do. And he's gonna work through his temple, that being you. Let's pray, Father, I just pray that you help make this message simple. Teach us, Father, to follow your ways in it. May we gain understanding for apply, applica, Lord, applying it tomorrow, the next day, and the weeks to come. God, application's everything. It's wisdom. Help us to walk in the wisdom of your spirit. And that all the excuses, God, the frustrations, the hurts, the disappointments, God, they would not taint and make us stay and be in places where you'd ask the question, what are we doing here? But God, through your anointing, those people that we would have intersections with, God, impartation would come in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Number one in your study guides, I wanna share with you, God desires to see an exchange or impartation when two people come together. In Romans, we find this historical uh, time, in Paul is in prison. And in prison, he is writing um, the epistles that we know. And yet he has this, we, we see his heart in this space of thought in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. And I'm going to read it from the message translation because I think it just really helps um, capture the heart that Paul has. The longer this waiting goes on, the deeper the ache. The deeper what ache? I so want to be there to deliver God's gift in person. And watch watch you grow stronger right before my eyes. But don't think I'm not expecting you to get something out of this too. You have as much to give me as I do. So here's Paul writing this letter to the Romans. And he's saying, I want to be present with you. I want to touch your life. I want to pray over your life. I want an impartation to come through my life. I'm longing that God would speak through my life and that God would bring deeds through my life that there might be something of, that would be eternal, some heaven touch come through me and into you. Oh, and by the way, I don't just think this is a one-way scenario. I believe I'm gonna receive as well as give. Now you're capturing why we're here. Our lives are meant for impartation, spiritual connection. And yet so many of us are just you know, really walking through life with just trying to make transactions happen. You know whether it be financial whether it be uh parental whether it be uh per, you know marital whatever it be that's how we look at it. and god's going look i want heaven to engage your life and oh and by the way in this space i want heaven i want it to be in a, in a marital situation i want it to be in a financial situation i want it to be in a in a hospital situation i'm longing for those spaces of impartation and i believe god allows trials, we know that, you know, in your life, so that he can be expressed through your life. Number two, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit desires to touch people in the world through you. Now, this kind of hits on the, the, the thought of changing your thinking. Romans 12.2, and I know it's not in your notes, but I'm going to read it to you. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So you see the struggle? If you don't change the way you think, then you're not gonna understand God's will for you. And I'll say it really simple again. If you don't change the way you think, then you're not gonna understand God's will for you. Number two, all right? In 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body." So here we have this space of of direction from God talking about sexual sin. And yet, we, we can probably relate more to the Corinthians than, anybody, than any other epistle in the Bible because there's so much sexual sin inundated in our society today, okay? And so you say, well, why is God making this such a point? Because what you don't really realize and recognize that your body is meant to touch others through purity, through holiness, God is wanting to emit who he is through our words and our deeds. And so Satan sees this. Satan recognizes this. He says, I am going to wreck the system that God has. God's system is this. It's holy. It's pure. It's glorious. And I'm going to allow heaven to come inside of a temple of, that's humanly made. And it's going, to come, it's going to have intersections through words and deeds. So as you touch somebody, as, as you speak to somebody, heaven transfers right through you, it's called transference, transfers right through you into another life. So much so that intercourse, the Bible says he who joins himself with a harlot is one. There is When you spiritually have intercourse with another person, you would just join yourself spiritually to that person. God is not looking for you not to have you know, a, a, a life that's enjoyable with intercourse. He's saying do it in the place of marriage because it's pure and holy. It's pure. So the world is so full of sexual sin because what it's longing to do is taint and destroy so that next thing you know, we have no holiness on the face of the earth. And so that God, God's going, how do I bring impartation? As in the days of Noah, there was only one family that could impart. There was only one family left and that family was Noah. Every every person on the planet Earth lived out a space of such sin in their life that there was no way that there could be any pure impartation from God. God literally said this about it in that time. He says, I repent that I even made man. Why? Because the only purpose that man has been made by God is for impartation. God wants impartation. So he looked at Noah and he said, he called him righteous. Why? Because Noah was a man. He said, God, I don't want to use this body. I don't want to use this life for impure reasons to fulfill self. I want to use this body and this life for you. We got three amens. Come on, anybody say amen. That's the reason why we live for God. That's why we live for God and we think, well, God's just trying to keep something from us. Man, you know what, if you wanna look at the world, let me just tell you something right now, statistically, and strike this from the video, all right? Let me tell you something, statistically, the best intercourse and sex is in the marriage, proven. So all the lies that are out there saying that it's better with all kinds of different partners, it's a blatant lie. Statistically proven. 35 years, baby. All right. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, point is, do it God's way. And God will even wholly touch that. Amen. He will do that and make it wonderful. And all the, what the world is, is impure and tainted nastiness is nothing but a lie. Well, why wouldn't it be? It's following Satan, the father of lies. But yet the world buys it. Hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because they're not listening to the voice of God. Church, you are God's speech through word and indeed. Number three, the Holy Spirit wants to impart with words and deeds. He's longing for impartation through words and deeds. First Corinthians three eighteen. Dear children, let not merely let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Ephesians four twenty nine 30 a high mark that I struggle living out let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed by the day of redemption yesterday I had a space of where this passage came alive to me through my granddaughter Everly and uh, my, uh, we have a boat rental business. And anyway, um, there are just people wrecking stuff. It seems to be the Saturday, the wrecking day. And uh, it frustrates me. Frustrates me. But I, was, I, was, I was getting frustrated. And you know, I love what Joyce Meyer says. And I, I love it. She goes, it, she says, grace never operates through frustration. There will be no grace when your heart is set on frustration. And so... I mean, I, I, if I just read the book just for that. was worth it. And so I'm, I'm frustrated, which means I'm not hearing God's grace. I'm, I'm kind of like Elijah. I'm looking by what I see. I'm not walking by faith. And, um, and then I'm trying to fix something that somebody wrecked. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm talking nothing. I'm not saying, my words are, are very choice words, which means I'm pretty, I mean, being a pastor, I, I know right words and wrong words. I'm not speaking the wrong words, but how I'm speaking them are heavy. How I'm speaking, I'm kinda of harsh. In, in, in my, I watched my granddaughter almost quench. She's not used to grandpa talking with, like so sternly and harshly. Ephesians 4, 29 30. Are your words seasoned with grace? And I went, and I, immediately when I looked at her like this, I'm like, my, my spirit man was grieved right away. And I thought how many times have I done that to my wife? How many times have I done that to the, my staff? How many times have I done that to, you know, to, you know, a, a, a customer or, you know, or or anybody for that matter? And I mean, are they seasoned with grace, knowing that I am a I am a child of God, a holy peculiar child of God that God wants to impart his spirit through my life? Are people seeing the spirit of God as well as hearing the word of God, impartation, spirit, and truth. Proverbs 11, 12, and I'm sorry, 11, 12, and 13 say this. God uses words to shape our lives. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep confidence. I remember my mother teaching me this one thing. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. That's a proverb right there, Proverbs 11, 12, and 13. You know, Go be sensible, be sensible. If you got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. A sensible person keeps quiet. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. When their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Number five, wholesome words will bring healing or the right shape to a relationship. You know that God is looking for you to bring wholesome words healing to the situation. You know, and and, um, last week we had talked about the the situation with Gideon and how he brought wholesome words to Ephraimites. Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You know that when you're living out your life, like, um, it's kind of a funny one. Uh, My wife She's got my, uh, my energy, and we both got it. We're high-energy people. And uh, so anyway, our kids, uh, you know, they, they reflect you. You know, and I remember, uh, I, think it was, uh, I think it was my daughter. I, I could be mistaken. And, you know, with seven of them, I don't know which one it was. But anyway, uh, all of a sudden, we're at a, a, a light, and the light turned green. And all of a sudden, we hear, go, lady! Go, lady! <laughs> I'm looking at my wife I'm like I don't say that <laughs> I feel it but I don't say it but anyway so anyway we looked at it we impart there are things that get picked up through words is that literally what we want our child to pick up you know I, you know, it's, I, I wonder if it could be cool if my, my daughter or my son would pick up love you you know love you Number six, the Holy Spirit works in his deeds to shape lives. Holy Spirit wants to work through the church to shape lives. You go through a frustration in your pizza place. God wants to work through your frustration to your employees, to your customers, to someone who's trying to get free pizza. They already already ate half of it. it. Happens. And because you want your customers always happy, and you know that someone's stealing, and it's easy to go over there and go, "The Satan steals, kills, and destroys." So you see the devil eating your pizza. <laughs> so, well, how do you react? How does your how does your uh, employees react? And they watch you, and they see the Jesus inside of you, or do they see the frustration inside of you? And what I have found is this: is I, I found both. I've watched with my employees or I have found people across and I've come and I said, look, I, I know that you saw Jesus in this situation, but then all of a sudden you've seen way too much Ron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's one of the things that really uh, so thankful for my father to show me is, is uh, my father went to um, a hero moment in my life many years ago in a really hard time and he was struggling with uh, my respect for him and anyway, uh, I've always respected my dad. But anyway, what happened was is, uh, he had slapped me and, and uh, it, was a, it was a rough moment, but my father, I don't remember the slap because I remember my father coming home down the stairs that night and telling me he was sorry. I've learned from that moment that a father can say sorry. And now with that, do I, I learned from that moment that that was the greatest moment I think I ever had with my father. It wasn't all the things, it wasn't Cedar Point trips and it wasn't uh, the, the times where, you know, um, he bought me a bike or it wasn't the times where, you know, we went to a ball game. I can tell you the highest moment, highest moment I've ever felt in my heart came right in one of the lowest, lowest moments. And he went over there and he said, I'm sorry, son. And That's so all he said. But it was a spiritual impartation that I have, I I, literally, I have zero issues saying sorry to my kids. It's not even, I don't even hesitate because that impartation came from my father into his son. And now I'm bringing it in. And I know, I hear a lot of stories where my dad will never admit he's wrong. My dad, well, you never received the impartation. You see how important impartation is? Even in the midst of a conflict, there, that impartation came. Number six, the Holy Spirit works in his deeds to shape lies. First John 3, 18 and 21 says, my dear children, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves and friends once that we once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves we're bold and free before God so let's quickly recap about Elijah I mean that's where we started the service here's Elijah and God says what are you doing here why are you running? Why, why are you, I'm the only one left, and my life doesn't have any, you know, it doesn't have any time, it's not, I mean, I, there's no reason to live on. I just soon, you know, I'm not gonna eat my last meal, and I just, my life doesn't have any more message to speak. And God goes, what are you doing here? You know what I've learned is this, is God will have me, what most people would look at, and go, well, wow, you just got, you know, uh, demoted. I remember getting what the world would look at demoted. Went from first shift to second shift. I remember that space in my life. And I remember what God spoke to me. He says, what are you doing here? What's your attitude like? Well, the world is, that's not fair. And somebody else didn't get demoted. And they had less seniority. And they should be no one. And then you should go assert yourself. Or could it be that on second shift that God wants me to impart who he is. Could it be that God would have a Bible study on second shift? Could it be that God would have me speak words and even have deeds on second shift? Or I could just be like Elijah in that moment, just run and complain and get frustrated and be what the world does or not recognize that my life isn't about second shift or first shift. My life is to be a vessel unto Him. A vessel unto Him. Now you say, well, Pastor Ron, you know what, I I won there because I, I, I recognized it, but there were other times, like myself, I found myself like Elijah, complaining, getting frustrated, comparing, looking at what was unfair, you know, uh, Looking at what other people weren't doing. It's all useless. It's all, it's, it's just not gonna change anything. Why try? Oh yeah, I got in those spaces of thought. And when I quieted myself and I stopped complaining about the windstorm and the fires and the earthquakes and finally I could hear God's voice again because God doesn't speak in that nonsense. I finally quiet and God, God would say, and he'd said it in different words, but if you could sum it all up, what are you doing here? This isn't how I think. This isn't how I see your life. I got a purpose for your life. I got a, I got a reason why you're here. You're breathing and you have a design, a divine design. Will you listen? Today, are you going to hear that still quiet voice? Or are you going to listen to all the loud noises and the comparisons of life and the frustrations of life? Guide your life. God spoke to Elijah. He said, all right, Elijah, that's where you're at, thinking-wise. I got three more people. Oh, and by the way, the place you ran from, isn't it funny how God goes, we're going to go right back that same direction? You know why? Because God has a reason why the path you're on. God has a reason where you're working. God has a reason the relationships you're in right now. We're going to go right back to that same place. The place that you left, you weren't supposed to leave, we're going to go back to that space. And then we're going to get victory in it. And victory doesn't happen on the outside first. Victory happens on the inside first. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always leads me into triumph. Notice I didn't say he always gives me triumph, leads me. I don't know where you're in the space of your triumph. Some of my battles, I'm not on the other side of. I'm not. I got one right now. Blech! I want to get through. But I am not. I'm learning from this message because I'm. I am anointed to preach it. I am not anointed to live it. Sometimes I'd like to get underneath that sprinkled dust and get some of that anointing to live it. But I don't. God goes that no. You gotta. You gotta live it just like everybody else lives. You don't get any special favors. You gotta live it, as well as preach it. Preaching I'm anointed. Living it. I'm in the struggle bus just like you are. Let's bow our heads close our eyes. Father, I'm so grateful that there is a passage called freedom. And that passage of freedom has a name and it's your name, Jesus. Lord, in that package of Jesus, it's an endless discovery. I'm so grateful, Lord, for starting that journey and having a journey with you Jesus, I'm so grateful for who you are in my life. I'm so grateful for what you tolerate and you endlessly encourage me, helping me, even those places where I fall and fail, you get me back like you did Elijah. Let's go back to where we left and let's do this again, do-overs. Thank you for forgiveness and getting me back on that path. If you're here this, this afternoon now, and you're struggling in your relationship or you don't really understand what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, today you can start one. God is is calling you to relationship. He isn't calling you to to come to church so that you can get a, a fix on what a good thing is to do. It's about a relationship that helps you make decisions throughout your day and journey. And it is meant to touch other lives throughout that journey, as we've learned today. But it starts with surrender. And if you are today and say, I want to start that relationship with Jesus, I don't have one and I want one. Or maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you've wandered from that path and you want to come back to that path. Like Elijah had to go back the same way he left. Maybe you're on your way to that, on your way back. God is inviting you right now. It still comes through surrender. So what I want you, all of you today, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I receive the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. I receive His forgiveness. I receive His hope. I receive His path for my life. I turn back my old life, and I receive his new life. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. Let's stand up and let's worship our Jesus together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.